We are back for another episode of Wise Words Book Summaries. Um, Using habits. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. I was about to say, yeah, but this is pretty much the last one. We're doing Hooked next week, and then yes. we're going on to fitness and health, so a bit of a change. But um, I'm sure if it, yeah. people are probably fed up of habits by now, just like we are. Um, <laughs> if someone has watched all, I, I don't know how many we've done now. Is it like eight? It must like, be something like that. Yeah. You get a VI, like yeah. You get a VIP path to all of yeah. wise words. <laughs> um, Honestly, it's been a yeah. slog. I mean, to be really fair, most has. of these books, I mean, as you, as I'm sure you'll find out from listening to this one, cover you know the same main points again yeah. and again, but they all have this sort of like different sort of edge to how you do these things. Um, yeah. So we we were talking as well about potentially doing a, uh, a habit summary podcast afterwards, but I don't know if I can put myself through that right now. Maybe, yeah. we, maybe we'll have to wait, sure. yeah. wait a couple of months and then sit back and be like, right now let's do it because, uh, let's take it. I was, yeah. Exactly that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, absolutely. Well, today we are doing tiny habits by BJ Fogg. This is quite like a, this is quite a popular one. I think amongst, yep. um, amongst habit books uh, i've heard a lot of people talk about it before um and i've known about it for a while but i never actually got around to uh reading it but yeah i thought this was a pretty good book um yeah overall it was a different he's, kind he's, of approach he's a stanford professor as well isn't he he's um visit- uh, yeah i don't know what it is he like has a department but i don't think he's i don't know if it's a prof- he's a professor there or he's like but, a visiting oh yeah that's a good know. point founded the behavior lab know, oh yeah, yeah good point he's like he's got like a lab at stanford yeah, yeah doing behavior yeah. design um uh, and funny enough you'll probably hear more a lot, like a lot more about his um equation he came up with which we'll talk about in this in this podcast but also when we do hooked because yeah a lot of hooked is based off uh his teachings here and he inspired if i remember correctly from hooked he inspired a bunch of these sort of like silicon valley tech startups in you know changing behavior design and how to get people I'm going to say addicted is pretty strong, but yeah, get people addicted to their applications. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's quite interesting because it's got his approach is very, it's easy to implement. Yes. Um, and I think that's why it's been adopted so, uh, so much because it, it can just be extrapolated onto something, especially in terms of like tech companies and tech startups and whatever kind of software, um, especially with to do with like social media and things like that, which are just trying to make it a habit of you using it um and gaining your attention so yeah so it's uh yeah i thought it was a good book yeah cool well let's just sort of we're going to jump straight into the notes or the sort of the book summary yeah so i'm going to go straight from the the mindset shit uh mindset shift which is something we kind of talk we talked a lot about with these habit books in terms of identity like identity shifts did we talk about i guess you could kind of say mindset and identity are kind of similar like i would say say right yeah yeah pretty much um but here, what I thought was quite interesting is he takes a more sort of like forgiving approach, let's just say, to the habits. Because I don't really mention, I yeah. don't really remember very well the other books saying, you know, if you miss a habit, you know, don't don't worry about it too much. Whereas he takes a more, you know, a kinder approach to yourself to sort of, you know, don't judge yourself if you miss your habits. Um, you know, embrace mistakes as discoveries. Yeah, because you don't want to add point. more friction than is needed, right? Like it's already yeah. going to be difficult to change your behavior because you're essentially changing your identity 
um, or you're doing something against your identity. So uh, yeah, you want to reduce that friction. Um, and so one of those aspects is essentially being nice to yourself about it. Yeah, you know, not no, no, and up about it. Yeah, no, exactly that. And I like I quite like his sort of like reframing. He does quite a good job at this sort of reframing yeah, yeah. in general. And it's this, you know, idea that every mistake is just a new discovery. And he's got this nice analogy here that I took a note of. So like, think about your habits as if they were recipes. So that if the result isn't to your liking, you need to change the ratios and fiddle with the ingredients, but, and also just not beat yourself up about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a, it's a good point. Cause I don't really think the other books, maybe they did give you that leeway, but I just don't remember them being very explicit with it sort of saying you know if you do fall off the habit train like i think james cares like don't miss it twice which is fair enough yeah it's also like it's probably a good time to like take stock of why you failed and it's funny we say this because we were just talking before this podcast about daily reviews because me and you both do one um and it's funny because i have i have exactly that question which is like what habit did i miss today um so every day i'm always thinking what did i miss and then i usually have a why and it's funny, uh, we were just saying as well, because obviously it's really easy to figure out why it's then trying to make the change to not mm-hmm. miss it again in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, do you know what, funny enough, now that we're talking about this, this is probably the step I don't take. So the step I take at the moment is obviously identifying what it is, why it is, but then I never really put into plan, like an action plan of like how yeah. I'm going to make that not happen again. Yeah. Um, and we were potentially talking about this idea of, you know, um, then a, assigning yourself a task for the next day. So we use Notion, but you could, you know, use a, pad of paper and be like what did i miss today i missed doing this why boom and then what am i gonna do tomorrow to make sure i hit it and then you write down yeah that type of thing exactly Um, and i think you know taking lessons from all the other books that we the habit books that we summarized you know about the components now you know like you know the implementation intention those kinds of things where you're going to do it what time you're going to do it making it specific um and so, so yeah, yeah exactly using those tools you, with this yeah yeah you just use those tools it's like you know oh okay fine i've identified the problem this is how i'm going to solve it and this is the action plan to do that you know yeah. um, like let's just say the problem was i was in a rush yesterday so the prop the, the plan is tomorrow i'm going to wake up an extra you know five minutes earlier to make yeah, sure i can so do this, i'm going to set my alarm for this yeah, yeah exactly that so, and then you've kind of at least and then obviously if that fails again once again you've now made another discovery let's just say as he yeah. would say um that you can then review the next day and be like, okay, right. So that happened. I wasn't expecting that. So how can I overcome this as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's got here as well, which I, he made a note about the sort of um, Western culture and that, you know, personal responsibilities being placed at the forefront rather than collective or situational. Yeah. And therefore this is why in general, people sort of feel a sort of great deal of guilt and shame for not hitting you know, their daily targets or their goals, their aspirations, because, you know, as a society, we place a lot of weight to the fact that we can choose what to do. And I yeah. think this obviously really help, uh, really impacts people who actually are like biologically addicted to things because they feel like failures. But the reality is actually sometimes they might not be able to choose or have yeah. not, they might not have the power to be able to choose as much as other people do. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think it's interesting a lot point. with what's, um, it's different language, <clears throat> but essentially it's the whole motivation, you know, aspect that the other books have touched on. And, you know, we think we overestimate our ability to change our behavior and underestimate the ability of the environment. And so when we fail, it's like we think, oh, God, you know, it's almost character logically diagnosing. You know, yeah. it's, it's uh, we're going, I'm a failure, oh, like, me as a person, I'm a failure. Yeah. I can't achieve this. I can't achieve that. But actually... That's just that may be a cultural aspect to you know 
how we how we view ourselves and our behavior so when yeah. we don't succeed it's you know it's it's our problem and it's never something else um it's fun, it's funny because that that exact sort of like idea reminds me of some of the books you were reading on communication as well remember when it talked yeah. about how to like criticize people and whatever it kind of you remove the criticism from the personal per, uh, sorry person and you make it more about the situation because yeah. obviously nobody like nobody likes to feel that they're a failure yeah as well because because half the time maybe fine maybe you did fail your habit but there was a situation which arose which you maybe couldn't have controlled well yeah. you couldn't have controlled it that day let's just say you know there were some sweets in the cupboard and you saw them you you, you probably could have technically controlled the fact that they were in the cupboard right yeah. But at least then if you review as well, you can then be like, okay, right. So what was it that made me fall for it? Fine. Maybe, maybe I'm the person who likes to eat sweets. Okay. Right. How, how can I put myself in a situation where that doesn't happen again? You remove yeah. it. And therefore then you exercise the control, right? Um, exactly. And you learn, you learn so much more from your failures. I know that's like a typical. It's so kind of cliche, but it's, so, true, it's yeah. so cliche, but it's so true, you know, and you learn more about yourself as well. Maybe you are someone that, you know, when you, when there is like, you know, something that you desire in front of you, you will act on it. So then you you learn that you're maybe a bit more impulsive. So the way to deal with that is you change your environment. You design your environment so that you don't have those kinds of things tempting you all the time. So in that whole process, you've got that feedback. You've improved yourself. Yeah, that's it's it's that simple. Um, and so not dwell on the failure in itself. Uh, but yeah, yes. Should we move on to the next parts? So this this is one of my yeah. favorite sort of fallacies. So the information action fallacy. It, it basically the whole, the whole idea of it is is information is not the answer to make people act in a better way we all kind of know this to a degree like we all know that five portions of fruit and veg etc would be better for our health yet we don't act in that way yet governments and big corporations tend to think that you know just giving people more information is going to make them act yeah. in a yeah. better way um and it's just an absolute i mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to sort of see this play out in day-to-day life you know yeah just because you give somebody the access to the information which they need to know to make better decisions doesn't, doesn't mean they're going to first of all they're going to make the better decision the second of all are they going to even act on it yeah um which is it and, is interesting because you yeah. know if you look at a lot of like not i wouldn't say propaganda but like a media a public broadcast i think they just there's like an underlying assumption if you give people the facts they're going to just behave in a way that's better <laughs> and we've seen time and time again yeah it just it just doesn't it doesn't work like that um, but think about think about like think about what wise words does essentially like we're trying to make something actionable we can give yeah. you the book summary and, and information does help to motivate you but it's what we were talking about last week with good habits bad habits it's like you know you can have that goal, you can have that aspiration, and that may help you to start a habit, but it doesn't help you to persist and maintain a habit, right? It's the same thing with information. It might be really interesting. You know, you watch a documentary, for example, and it's really inspiring, but that doesn't make you like maintain a habit. It just may make you want to act. And that's essentially what we're doing with all the kind of action or idea stuff is Yes, we're giving you the book summary and we hope that you read that and you hope, we hope you listen to the podcast so that you're inspired, but then you actually have the things that you can implement to make it to act on. Yeah. Um, because what, is, what learning is doing, essentially, you know, yeah. it's it, you, we and think about how many people will read books 
almost convincing themselves that they know it, but actually, you know, unless they've acted different, on the stuff. Once again, yeah, there's a difference between knowing and actually acting on it. Like I can know Absolutely. this is good for me, but that's not going to make it, that's not going to make me better. Like that's not going to exactly. make me healthier. I can know yeah. that vegetable is good for me, but the only thing that's actually going to make me healthier is actually <laughs> yeah. eating it. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 Um, and I, I think I've quoted this guy before to you, but Derek Sivers, it's the, you know, if more information was the answer, then we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs. Yeah, because more information isn't the answer. It's the ability no. to act on information yeah. that's you know the answer, um, which is why, to honest, me and you both enjoy the books that are the most practical, the best. The books yeah. which literally spell yeah, out to yeah. you, this is what you should do. I absolutely love it. Like, so we don't have to. Then we don't have to figure out what it is we have to do with this information. You know. Yeah. Um, and and that's part of the process in itself to, that uh, that we've mentioned that is friction to habit. Right. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how, and it's only by like creating a plan and maybe doing it once, you realize how simple something can be. And then your brain is much more likely to be able to deal with it, right? Because it, it's, it's, there's less friction now. You know, you've reduced all of that. Um, and yeah, so being able to make something actionable is just so much, oh, so much easier. So much easier. 100%. Um, Okay, so then moving on to so the ethos of tiny habits. So the essence of tiny habits is this. Take a behavior you want, make it tiny, find where it fits naturally into your life, and nurture its growth. This will show you how easy it is to get started and will help you learn the single most important skill in behavior change, feeling successful. Um, oh, yeah, I, I can remember like a big proponent of his that he talks about is how we feel, our relationship yeah. to this action. Which actually, yeah. it was touched on with all the other ones, right? Like it, even it was. Saying, like, this reward is this I thought was very, very emphasis, uh, like a lot of emphasis on feelings or emotions linked to that specific action. Obviously, yeah. like you know, we touched on it with you know atomic habits and all that, like the whole idea of making it satisfying. But yeah. um, yeah, it was just it's once again it's just different different language. It's um, like a they, but I, what was the quote? I think there's something like habits have rewarded is a habit that's repeated or something like that. Anyway, but mm. it's yeah. You've got to feel good doing it absolutely, or feel, or feel successful having done it. Absolutely. Um, so keeping changes small and expectations low is how you design around fair, around fair weather friends like motivation and willpower. When something is tiny, it's easy to do, which means you don't need to rely on the unreliable nature of motivation. So, yeah, I mean, this, if you think about what tiny habits essentially does is it ticks all the uh, behavior law change, you know, boxes, yeah. make yeah. it obvious. Well, I guess, obvious this is slightly different make it easy by making yeah. it small you're making it easy make yeah. it satisfying you know by well th- this is the point you have to try and make it satisfying but i think also by the fact that you've done the thing you should feel satisfied if it's something you yeah, want yeah. to do and you know the value in doing that habit i don't know about you but if i know it's an important ingredient to my life like as a habit that i've really struggled to do or wanted to do and i do it i always feel some level of like satisfaction just because i've done it that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas in the yeah, past, yeah. I didn't. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think integrating integrating it into uh, into your daily routine, I think, is really important. And that's something yeah. that he emphasizes a lot in this book. As in, like you know, once again, you want to reduce friction as much as possible. If you're already on your way to the gym, and you can, or your your gym is right next to your work, you're much more likely to do it than if it's you know twenty minute yeah. detour. And to be honest, we this whole concept of like the tiny habits we've talked about many times, and even even to be honest, in the atomic habits, because we already read, we already knew about this idea. So we were talking about how to make things easy by just making them smaller, and then we even yep. talked about it with the elastic habits, which was you know making the first tier of the habit 
really easy to do. And Showing up, the tier yeah. three yeah. would be, you know, something it's meant to be like a personal best or something, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've touched on this idea and it's not, it's, yeah, it, it, it just makes sense, right? If you think about it by making something small and easy to do, it makes it more likely to happen. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. now we can move on to the next part, which is his famous model, the B, the B mat, I believe. I'll put B map yeah. here. Why? Why the beam? B maps. I'm just trying to. Figure I thought out. It, no, it is B map, isn't it? It is B map. I thought, yeah. So behavior equals motivation times ability uh, times prompt. So behavior equals your your motivation to do something, your ability times the ability to do it times a prompt, which is obviously this. You know, you could say as a stimulus or um, yeah, stimulus is probably the best word. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he basically says you can stop a behavior by altering any three of these components of the behavior model. Um, so you can decrease motivation or ability, or you can remove the prompt. So this is pretty much, if you th- let's just run through an example, I guess, for like something to do with a classic like sugar, right? You can yep. read books on understanding why sugar is really bad for you. So you increase your motivation to not want to consume sugar. Mm-hmm. You can, the ability, so you can remove sugar from your cupboards, which also yep. su- technically links to the prompt, which is also removing it from anywhere, which prompts you to have it. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If, if these areas are, I mean, if you've got all three, you're, you're fantastic, aren't you? If you're, if you yeah. sold yourself on, you know, not eating sugar, let's just say, cause you've, you're highly motivated now cause you've seen you're on the cusp of getting diabetes or something like that. Yeah. And you've done these other steps. It's highly likely that the behavior is not going to materialize. Exactly. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but he said that the easiest one to kind of change is the actual ability to just yes. make it as small as possible. Um, yeah, obviously motivation requires more effort. As he but... said before, motivation and willpower, fair weather friends, you know, yeah, that they, they ebb and flow the motivation, yeah. you know, some days you yeah. feel motivated, some days you don't. So the ability exactly. is one of the, you know, and as we've spoken many times before, the, you could even say ability is, you know, knowing exactly what it is you're going to do. Yeah. It's like, the ability to perform a habit is knowing what the habit is in the first place to perform. You know, if you, let's just say you want to get into the habit of doing an ab workout, let's just say was the example I was giving you. If you, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't have the ability to do it. So how can you even do something you don't have the ability to do? It's exactly. it, it just exactly. makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like over time, as you're able to, you know, complete that action, then the motivation to do it increases as well. Right. Because it's easier yeah. to do, you know, that you can get it done. Um, and so, you know, you're way beyond the curb, which he kind of puts in his kind of diagram. But if you're below yeah. that curb, you won't be able to achieve the habit or it's like very strenuous. And there's a lot can, of you, can you add that, um, the graph to the YouTube description? And it's too bad if anybody's listening and yeah. interested, yeah, yeah. you can go on our full summary at the website of wisewords.blog and you can you can see the graph because it's, it's definitely worth like seeing. Yeah. like visualizing because it like for us it makes more sense because we've seen it <laughs> for somebody else i, w- I would put it up here but i don't actually know how to do that on uh, uh poten- potentially present uh, this could go completely wrong where is share screen uh, okay yeah yeah yeah. present oh you could do would slides it, would it take over the whole screen that's the question we'll find um, find out very shortly screen um it should just overtake yours i think Oh, there you go. This is cool. You on it? Can yeah, you I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. So essentially, this is the BMAP model. Um, 
And yes, if you're below the line, the action threshold line, then you're not going to be able to complete your um, habits. So by increasing motivation, you're more likely to be, and you know, making it slightly ah. easier to do, then you're more right. likely to surpass the... I know what the well, T is. It's trigger. Uh, yeah. Like so I would assume... BMAP or BMAP. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's the same, the same thing. Yeah. It's the same yeah. word. It's just yeah, synonym, basically. No, exactly. And then likewise, conversely, you know, if you make it really easy to do, even if motivation is low, then you can still just go beyond the action threshold. Um, so two areas that you can manipulate to try and make that habit much easier. Um, but yeah, definitely check out the podcast. Um, I'm going to stop sharing now. Am I back? You are yes, back, yes. Um, yeah, cool. So cool. He's actually got... This is what I quite liked about his book as well, right? It was super practical. So he goes, he's now got the way you should go through the B the BBAP framework. So <clears throat> check to see if there's a prompt to do the behavior. Then you see if the person has the ability to do the behavior. Then you see if the person has the has the motivation to do the behavior. Yeah. So you start in that order. Um, and then here he's got sort of make habits easier, brackets ability. Um, the easier hab- uh, sorry, the easier behavior is to do, the more likely the behavior will become a habit. Um, BJ, the reason why he came up with this framework was because he, he realized that what many successful products and services had in common was that they helped people do what they already wanted, wanted to do in a way that was easy. Yeah. Um, which we, which we explore a lot in the, in the hooked model. Cause that's pretty much how the sort of tech companies sort of coerce this. Yeah. Um, so if you try a product and it makes you feel clumsy, stupid, or unsuccessful, you will likely abandon it. But when something makes you feel successful, you want more, you engage and you make it part of your life. Exactly. Um, Once again, kind of tying in that whole idea of the feelings, the emotions that you have with your, yeah. with that habit. Um, okay. So then on to like remove prompts. So when the natural or designed, a prompt says, do this behavior now. But this is the crucial nugget. No behavior happens without a prompt. You can disrupt a behavior you don't want by removing the prompt. This isn't always easy, but removing the prompt is your best first move to stop a behavior from happening. So like we said, you know, if you don't want to eat biscuits, don't leave biscuits lying around. Um, don't use your phone, than, leave it in another room. You know, exactly. Because yeah. exactly. it triggers that thought, right? You can see it in your visual, you know, it's a visual stimuli or even knowing that it's there, right? Um, it will trigger that thought. If you put it away, then it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, other than getting off the grid, we may never find a perfect way to stop unwanted prompts from companies with business models that depend on us to click, read, watch, rate, share, or react, which is what we just said in terms of, you know, the hooked book pretty much talks about this in terms of social media companies trying to get our attention. They make money based on getting our attention. So, you know, having notifications popping up left, right, and center. Um, and realistically, you know, all of society is practically on technology these days. So it's pretty difficult to get around that, but there are different ways. Um, let's say that you want to stop checking social media while you are at work. You can turn off your phone, put it on airplane mode or turn off notifications for the social media app. Any of these will remove contextual prompts and that might resolve the habit right there. So yeah, a bunch of examples right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about sort of, you know, this many of these, it's just different words for the same things, you know. Yeah. The whole removing prompts is making this the the inverse law, the first law of, of behavior change to make it obvious, make it invisible. It's the yeah. it's the same premise. Exactly. Um, so next we've got the motivation. So here's the uh, unfortunate thing. 
most people believe motivation is the true engine of behavior change, which is true because most people obviously being in this sort of Western culture, we believe that, you know, personal responsibility and willpower like trumps all. Um, yeah. So we believe, you know, we're in, we're, we can control our destiny. We can motivate ourselves to do things when the reality is it's not, just not that simple. Um, so it's, words it's like, interesting. yeah. Like I'm just thinking that, you know, even in, uh, so there's a, what's, what, I can't remember what the term is called. I've learned about it in psychology, but the idea of blaming your environment, I think it's called like mm. situational blame or something like that. Anyway, um, which a lot of us engage in, but even mm. that I think is a reflection of us still thinking that we are responsible for our behavior. Well, it's like re- yeah. deflecting it. Right. Um, so whether we voice it or not is different, but I think we still tend to like take it and feel the brunt that like, Oh fuck, I failed. You know? Cause I think deep um, down, you know, you can tr- kind of change the situation to a degree. Like there is some level of, you causing something to do that situation unless it's completely in my head if it's completely out of the blue it's not your fault so for example somebody comes rearing off the the road and hits you with a car you're not going to blame yourself too much for that but when there's stuff where you have some level of like control then i think you do you do beat yourself up even if it is even if you personally say it's the situation you do go actually hang on a second maybe i shouldn't have done this before which caused that etc and I tell you what's really interesting. It kind of does like going on a slight tangent here, but like um, remember in shattered assumptions when they were talking about uh, women who had been raped and how one of the mechanisms that they engage in is actually self blame because it fixes that kind of broken assumption that they don't have any control in the world. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, um, no, I do. And they yep. somewhat self blame until they get to a point where they have that confidence back. And then they can start to accept once again that like, this is my fault, you know, mm. um, but it just allows them to engage in that. I wonder if on obviously a much smaller level that mm. we need to feel like we still have control. And so we sometimes blame ourselves and our lack yeah, of motivation no, it could be that. Um, for not pursuing a habit. I think it's a very rosy picture of the world, isn't it? When you have that sort of idea of free will and you can control and manipulate reality. Yeah. Um, people feel more exactly. comfortable there than this is, you know, fate has given me this hand or fate has done this and I had no control yeah. over the situation whatsoever. Um, yeah, I think what's also quite interesting here is this next point as well with this, like, words like rewards and incentives get thrown around with such regularity that most people think you can create whatever habits you want if you find the right character dangle. But what I find yeah. quite interesting with that point is because just, you know, the whole world or the whole subject of economics is completely, like, at its core is based on incentives, you know? Yeah. So the way we most people view the world through the economical lens is just you built upon the idea that incentives get people to do things. Yeah. Um, when the reality is they do to a degree, but not always like there's people who, you know, should be incentivized to work by theory because they're being paid, but they don't want to fucking work. You know? <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that throws yeah. that out the window, right? That's it's not, it's not that easy. The motivation isn't just linked to being incentivized to work, you know, exactly. or to do something. Um, and we put and way too much. Is like a far yeah. off reward, right? Like I think we talked about this last week, but a reward has to occur pretty soon after well, you yeah. complete an action because of our dop- the way that our dopamine system works. But an incentive is like, oh, you know, I'm going to get my paycheck at the end of the month. Yet it's incentivizing, but that's not the only reason why we perform certain actions or perform certain habits. Um, 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, to be fair, I guess the, the incentive there is actually because it's more based upon survival. So the incentive is actually to survive and it's the only job you have. So it's not yeah. actually based on, you know, earning the money. It's because like you don't really have a choice, right? And that's why you don't feel motivated because you have no control over your yeah. your life, so to speak. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so on the, on the topic of motivation, then you've got three types or three sources of motivation in the tiny habits framework. So you've got yourself, which is what you already want. Um, then you've got the benefit or punishment you res- you would receive by doing the action. So the carrot and the stick. So this is the incentive. So, you know, the benefit of working out, you feel good. The punishment you feel for, you know, drinking alcohol is you might feel hungover depending on how much you drink. And then the other part of motivation is your context. So mainly the social context here. So what your friends are doing, et cetera, like that. Yeah. So, um well whenever sorry whether you feel desire excitement or fear it doesn't matter whatever is motivating the behavior will quickly be rationalized by your brain um which is a good point here because we were just saying about coming up with excuses for like not doing things and or coming up with reasons why you're to blame and all the situations to blame when it's not you but the reality is it's a mix of all of it exactly Um, but like yeah i thought that's quite interesting because there is if there's these different forms of motivation, right, you can technically leverage different forms, right? So I don't think he talks about it too much here, or maybe he did further on. Um, you know, obviously you can you can increase your personal motivation by selling yourself on why something's important to do. Yeah. Um, and also why something's bad to do again and again if you're looking at re- removing a bad habit, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you've got the you know, the secondary part, sort of the incentives. Like we we did just trash them, but they do still kind of work to a degree. It just yeah, depends. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's just like you can't rely on them, right? So it's, I guess, the only reason. So another one would be like, you know, the the motivation in terms of the punishment. What you could do is say to yourself, you ever have a chocolate bar, you have to have like a really hot chili afterwards. So you try to like train yourself to associate, you know, the the bar of like absolute horror spice. Um, Just a little idea for anybody thinking about it. Um, So that's another example. Then obviously the whole context situation. So, finding a friendship group or changing yeah. a friendship group or, you know, telling them your goals, your habits and hoping that sort of helps or that changes yeah. to help those you motivate. Social contracts. You know. those yeah. Things, like yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous sort of runs off this whole like binding social contract between people or the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's the last point here. It suddenly feels totally logical to do this thing that might be costly, time-consuming, physically demanding, or disruptive to our everyday lives um, in regard to kind of like, you know, uh, what it was saying about how our behavior can be qu- quickly become like rationalized in our brain. Mm. Um, and it's it once again ties in with what we talked about last week in terms of that kind of conscious mind, that executive control that needs to kind of justify its yeah. decisions. Um, it, it ties but, in with those, um, what was the bloody, what were the ones we talked about ages ago on the eight rationalizations. What was it? It was not the eight rationalizations. Oh, it was um, uh, the loopholes, you mean? The, yeah, the um, mental loopholes. The mental loopholes, yeah. Because that's literally the exact examples of yeah. of this. Um, exactly. Well, that is on one of the book summaries. I think we can try and find it and put it in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the notes on the YouTube channel or something or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Because those um, are the most, for me, it's funny because we do make logical or we do make excuses for our behavior. But yeah, they yeah. tend to follow the same pattern, right? In my head. And the eight mental loopholes are kind of like the, the overarching eight different excuses we give in some form or another. They might be worded slightly differently, but they are like the fundamental eight excuses we always make. Yeah. Um, and it's worth knowing them because, you know, you can catch yourself 
you, you say yeah. to me, you've done this before where you caught yourself. You're like, Oh, I'm using this excuse again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny when you actually like suddenly become conscious of you using an excuse and you're just there. Like, this is such bullshit. You, even, yeah. even, and then sometimes even then you might still follow through cause you're lazy with that excuse, knowing that it's a shit excuse, yeah. which is even worse. It's like, <laughs> I know that I'm bullshitting myself and I'm happy with it. Um, but yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, okay. So motivation, willpower and endurance. Um, but here are some more subtle and predictable shifts. Willpower decreases from morning to evening. Complex decisions get harder by late in the day. Motivation for self-improvement can vanish on Friday night. That's a mental loophole there, isn't it? Like the sort of, yeah. oh, it's the end of the week. I, I deserve, weekend, you know, yeah. I deserve right. to you know, treat myself, that type of thing. I, well, the yeah. other day I, I, I was at an event and I try not to drink through, uh, during the week. Um, and it was a Thursday and the guy was like, well, Thursday's just the beginning of the weekend. <laughs> and I was like, you know, Thursday's a new Friday. That's, that's the excuse. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, that said, there's a special situation in which motivation can be enduring. Consider a grandmother who is always motivated to spend quality time with her grandkids or the teenager who always wants to look good to her friends. These enduring motivations are called aspirations. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think actually, um, I can't remember which other book it was in, but the, going off the previous point and the idea that willpower, this kind of muscle, you know, fatigues throughout the day. And so if you are going to use it, try and use it on actions that really require it rather than other actions that you could just kind of, you don't yeah. need motivation to motivate you, you know, what you don't need. Willpower. It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's funny how the some people have different things that they need the motivation to get over. Yeah, right. Yeah. So for example, so for me, personal. Right, for like, I don't know about you, but reading, I find it's like, it's actually something I look forward to doing. So like, yeah, I don't know. Some people probably struggle to pick up a book in the evening and read it. Right. And they'd be like, mm. how the hell do you read? And I, I look at them to go like, it's cause it's like, for me, it's like almost like therapy. I love, I love yeah. to do it. I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do it more if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. I just find it funny how they would have to use willpower for something that I literally wouldn't even like I become almost like a freak just because of the fact yeah. that it just doesn't even seem to need motivation to do if that makes yeah. sense. But it's just funny how that changes over as over the time you build it as a habit or something, or as you sell yourself on it, let's just say same with gym, I guess to a degree. And it becomes part yeah. of your identity. Yeah. It does become part of your identity. I mean, it, it may, it may sound a bit airy fairy, but all this identity stuff we've spoken about in the books, so I guess we actually can testament like, to it actually working because i feel like since we've started doing these habit books i've started taking yep. my gym and fitness a lot more seriously to the point now where i don't even think about you know should i go to the gym this week it's like i'm going yeah. I, I, i'm I'm going i like it it's just yep. it's almost the case now of how many times am i going it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's a completely different ball game it's and it's crazy it's because, because it's not even like i i had to kid myself it's just yep. the whole point that james clear makes of you know repeating it and building up a, like like a, a score sheet let's just say at the times you went you then believe you are somebody who goes to the gym and trains and all of a sudden you look back and you're like what was i doing before i even went to the gym because i can't even think about my life now before yeah it's yeah. crazy isn't it it's mental. The, the same, same thing goes with like you know cold showers like most oh, yeah. people yeah, don't yeah. have cold showers and they can't even conceive the idea of why you would want to have cold showers right yeah it's so funny like i was talking to oh, that's, that's even week. that is a more niche ones you've had but it's yeah equally like because so many people don't like okay now it's becoming a bit more mainstream that like cold therapy is good for you but like some people don't even conceptualize that 
And so the idea of having cold showers is so far from their normal behavior that like for them, it would require a lot, but it's, it's once again, it's just so personal. And that's why it kind of ties in with the identity because we're all different. Um, yeah. And we have different yeah, aspirations, so, right? This is part of yeah, what yeah. You know, the next part's about, you know, if, if, if my, like, let's just say my, there's a driving force in my life is I want to learn more. I want to, you know, read more. Therefore mm-hmm. I will not find things that advance that goal taxing mentally because i know that's what i want to do and that's like how yeah. i'm motivated to do whereas you know somebody who doesn't have that same aspiration they're not gonna they're gonna require motivating because they don't have that thing to aim at to go for so, and it yeah. kind of it just it just makes sense if you think about it really um, absolutely of course that's somebody it. who doesn't have that goal they would then have to convince themselves to to have the motivation to do it yeah you know um which now absolutely. yeah now thinking about it just it all makes complete sense um <laughs> So <laughs> aspirations, time to be specific. Millions of people genuinely aspire to live healthier, less stressful and more fulfilling lives. But here's the problem. People often believe that motivating themselves toward an aspiration will lead to lasting change. Problem is aspirations are inherently abstract. And to be fair, he's made a really good point there because immediately live healthier, be less stressed, yeah. live a more fulfilling life. All, all three are like, you know, could you even define those? yeah first of all you technically you can right but this is the whole point you need to define these things so yeah um you can't achieve outcomes or aspirations solely through high levels of motivation which is the least predictable and reliable the three components of the behavior model aspirations are abstract desires like wanting your kids your kids to succeed in school whereas outcomes are more measurable like getting straight a's second semester yeah And he's found that people don't naturally term, uh, think, sorry, in terms of specific behaviors. And this tendency trips up almost everybody. And that's quite a good point. It's like, you know, I want to be healthier. But what you should be saying is I want to be eating healthy every day. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's the specific behaviors that lead to the being healthy, right? And it's, I I think it actually reminds me a bit of, um, which we're going to get onto in the future, the Road to Character book. Mm-hmm. It talks about how we all have vague moral aspirations so we're all like yeah. i want to be a good person because you haven't defined what good is you open yourself up to like behaving badly because you can then yeah. rationalize a bad behavior because you'd be like oh well, i haven't even defined what good is i just i just want to be good this feels yeah. good to me because this is what i think a good person would do in this situation and it might not be um well i think i think here. i think they're all connected it's just that they're different levels of analysis like it's fine to be like i want to be healthier but then that is like a broad vague overall goal uh, well aspiration and then within that you need to have a specific goal right so like to do that i want to run a marathon right and then to do that i've chosen my marathon and to do that i'm going to start you know um scheduling runs and to do that i'm going to tell myself how far i need to start running or at what distance or what uh, so there's different levels of specificity um and they're all connected but it's like you do need that level of specificity otherwise once again it's just it's vague you can't yeah. act on it it's inspiring but it's only inspiring to act and then you actually need to have those actions in place to to um perform otherwise you're just going to be once again there's, you're going to be lost but there's no clarity it's more friction essentially you don't know for, um, no, for sure like it's yeah we spoke about this before just you know things if they're too abstract you, this, it's not really a target if it's too abstract there's nothing yeah, to aim for because yeah. it's too yeah. the 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 target let's just say if you're yeah it's just too yeah. big there's too much to yeah. go for like healthy what does that even mean like i want to be fitter mm-hmm. okay yeah. what does that mean to you because everybody has all their own definitions of fit right as well exactly you know exactly. some people's aspirations might be like lose weight because they feel like they're overweight whereas some people might be like i want to get ripped and that's yeah. a, that is within the same subset i'll get healthier fitter 
but it's still completely different so goals. Different goals. Complete, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, which is, it, it actually kind of reminds me as well a lot about the productivity books as well, in the sense that he talks a lot about having like a vague idea of a project. And the idea is you try and whistle it down to the actual steps. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me like people think in terms of like vague things, like I need to research this rather than thinking, okay, what do I have to do to actually research this? Like put, put like you can be mega specific, like put the search phrase in Google, you know, you could be like that or you could be like, check this website to see this research, check this research, create summary. Do you know what I mean? There's like way more steps to just, you know, research something than, than just the the broad research. And, And a lot of this to do with, you know, following out your plans is just being really specific yeah. with what you need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah we're all guilty of like slipping into sort of abstractness because it takes, you know, effort, like effort, sorry, to, to think through what it is you want and like yeah. how you're going to get there. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. You just need to be more specific. Specialist yeah. needs required. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, on, on his, on his last point here, he's got, you know, we should be dreamy about our aspirations, but not about the behaviors that will get us there. Behaviors yeah. are grounded and concrete. They're the handhold and footholds that get you up the rock face. Yeah. And like we just said, it just, it just makes sense. Doesn't it? You can't. I, I, I was, I've been yeah. looking for this quote. Um, that's a, that goes off the back of this. And it's like a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. I just kind yeah. of like that because it is about just breaking it down with different levels of specificity so you can actually act on it and then achieve it over time with accumulating those actions. That's essentially yeah. what habits are, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Stepping stones to your goal, which is part of your bigger aspiration. Yeah. Like, what I quite like is this kind of links in a little bit as well with um, I, what, which one was the keystone habits? Was it atomic habits or was it, was it, I want to uh, say no, it be, it was, habit it was, blueprint um, potentially? Yeah, I think they've touched on it in different ones. Um, and they might have yeah. touched it in the 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 power of the habit net, as well. I think the power of habit, yeah. um, it's just more so like if you have like a really vague aspiration, like get fit. Obviously, you can then have very specific ones, but you should also pick out the habits or the stepping stones that are going to give you the most leverage towards it. Yeah. And also, there's a load of things that people sometimes as well I think forget contribute to the thing they're going after. So, for example, let's just say you go something broad like be healthier as we've now finding out or as we will find out in our next podcast we go to fitness fitness is not even just exercising it's all of it it's recovery it's nutrition it's sleep it's it's all of these things um so so a very broad goal of like you know i'm gonna get fit i'm gonna get in better shape i'm gonna i'm gonna lift weights and get strong or whatever comes with actually a necessity to do about 10 different habits possibly even more Mm. And you should be picking the ones with the highest leverage, you know, yeah. as well. Like, yeah. you know, because a lot of people I think as well do these things where they, you know, they set a really noble goal of, you know, I want to be fitter and healthier and they absolutely smash the gym. They do it really well, but they don't fix the other parts like the yeah. recovery or, their, or yeah. their diet. And then they, and then they go back into their old bad habits because they haven't felt the improvement because they haven't yeah. actually seen the stepping stones that require or sorry, that are needed to hit the goal they set. Yeah, um, no, of course. And like, you don't, you know, obviously you don't want to adopt too many so that you're overwhelmed, but the more you have of the same habits going in the same direction towards the same goal, the more kind of positive reinforcements you have. So when you fall back on one, let's say you don't go to the gym, 
then you're going to feel even more guilty if you just, you know, have a delivery and have a greasy meal, right? So yeah, it, that, just, that kind of it, like, it doesn't have to be tender, does it? Like you could, you no, could, even, you could yeah. try and simplify these down to just like, okay, make sure you go to the gym four times a week, make sure you have a portion of veg every day, and make sure you sleep seven hours about like a night if possible. Those are three pretty good keystone, you know, habits yeah. that obviously can be improved over time to be more specific. But as like a as a first three are pretty good, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a oh, lot of other areas in life where you could just pick the three that are going to make the biggest difference. And to be honest, sorry, the big point of keystone habits actually was picking like sleep, for example, because it impacts every other habit. So like yeah. by getting enough sleep, you're going to have much more energy and motivation to stick to your other habits. And therefore these ones are the cornerstones of your life, similar to nutrition yeah. as well. You know, if you're healthy, good- you got more energy. There was a good example. I think it might have been the power of habit. And it was talking about how um, getting people to just, there was a study that was like getting people to just write down what they ate, okay, hmm. was a key, I was going to say a key, keys, a keys don't have it, yeah. um, was really important because basically they started writing it down and then they started realizing what they actually ate, right? Mm. So it made them conscious of what they were eating. And then, okay, then they started to change that. And then they started to write down not just things to do with food, but other things that they were doing. And so essentially it, it like made a cascade of them being able to view their patterns of behavior. And I think that's kind of like what something, what a kind of keystone habit is also really crucial at doing is it reflects back to you what your behavior is in other areas so that it starts to trickle over and you start to tweak those as well. Because as soon as you become aware of your own behavior, like we talked about over and over again, then you can start to be like, okay, well in this area, you know, I'm eating a lot. Okay. Maybe I should cut that down. Maybe I should start measuring how much I eat. Maybe I should, okay, change what I'm eating. Maybe I should start, okay, well I'm, you know, changing what I'm eating. So that's to do with health. Maybe I should start going to the gym more, you know, all those things start to like um, create that mindset that we were talking about at yeah. the beginning of this. Cause it reminds me a bit of the, it was definitely James clear with the make it obvious. It was like the, the touching and going, you know, the pointing and yeah. saying, you know, like the, you know, yes, yeah. I'm, eat, I'm eating chocolate again. You know, imagine just, you might sound stupid saying it every time, but that's the whole point. You eventually realize shit. Mm. This is the third time I said, I'm eating chocolate again today. Yeah. Know? And it yeah. brings like you said, you can't change something until you become aware of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. more gets measured, gets managed, always, was measured gets managed something like that i think that's the quote um but yeah yeah so moving on so the big habit question is can i get myself to do this the phrasing of the question is important it brings together both motivation and ability at the same time with this one question you are addressing two components of my behavior model um i thought it's yeah, quite an interesting point as it, well i yeah, think i, I think that my, is a good yeah. point can I get myself to do this? You're right. Cause yeah, it's like, am I physically capable to do it as well as yeah. can I, can I see the value in it yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it in the first place? Um, yeah. So the exactly. two crucial parts here of the motivation and the ability. Um, yeah. Well, the fine, the next part is what we've been saying before. So the whole point here is the design for consistency. So when you're designing a new habit, you're really designing for consistency. And for that result, you'll find that simplicity is the key. Um, first or you have to understand what makes something hard to do that's why you should always start with this question what is making this behavior hard to do so once again it's very similar to the atomic habits just different wording you know yeah of course why what what's the what's the friction point here why why can't i do it um yeah it's one of those things that you know we probably don't ask ourselves enough um 
why why couldn't why can't i do this you know? Yeah, well, you're trying I'm to find me. those points of like friction, you know, that mm-hmm. you can reduce in some way. And once again, it's like knowing what to look for provides clarity on, yeah. you know, being able to be like, okay, this is a factor that's, you know, interrupting this or interfering with this. And that's why I so, say like the next part is the ability factor. So the factors that can affect your ability to do something. So there are five here. And so the first one's time. So do you have enough time to do the behavior? Second one's money. So do you have enough money to do the behavior? Third one's physical. So are you physically capable of doing the behavior? Fourth mm-hmm. is energy. Does the behavior require a lot of creative or mental energy? I think I, I quite like that one, actually. And yeah. the fifth one is routine. So does the behavior fit into your current routine or does it require you to make adjustments? And so all these kind of tools, they're really important for just especially when you're starting a habit out, you're starting to form a habit because, you know, yeah, we can jump into it, but sometimes, you know, naturally there are going to be changes in life and it's going to throw you about and you're going to miss your habit and you're not going to know why um, unless you pay proper attention. These just help you to guide you and go like, okay, well, what are the things that are interfering here? Um, And if you have them at your disposal, I'm definitely going to plug these into mine. yeah. And then I can start, you know, being like, okay, well, what is the factor here that's reducing this? Okay, how can I manipulate that so it makes it easier? So yeah. if so like for instance, if, if, yeah. No, no, you just, go, sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna say, like using an example, let's say gym. Okay, so do you have enough time to do to go to the gym? Well, maybe you make time, maybe you move things around, you don't always need to work out for an hour and a half. You know, you change certain factors around time that you can do it so money do you have enough money maybe you don't have enough money to go to a, a, a nice gym maybe you don't need to go to a nice gym maybe you don't need to go to a gym at all and you just need to find exercises to do at home um yeah. or you or you can start trying to you know take up a job and make money so that you can start to go um physical so are you physically capable maybe you're injured maybe you can't go but then that doesn't mean that you know you just are sedentary um, you can normally work out something or do some kind of fitness, even if you are partially injured, although obviously I'm not a doctor here. So um, consult your local doctor. Um, energy, do you have uh, the, you know creative energy or mental energy? I think this one's quite important because there are a lot of tasks that, for instance, I procrastinate when you know I have low energy or I don't want to be starting to, I don't want to have to be creative. And so maybe it's about, you know, assigning it to a time when you know that you will have energy like after i have a cold shower in the mornings i feel like fucking ready you know i feel like i'm just taking fucking steroids um so you know i can crack on with an idea maybe that's maybe that's an option there's multiple options to to solve these and then last one is routine so does the behavior fit into your current routine well you know if my gym is next to my work then yeah it does if it's you know half an hour detour then it's a bit inconvenient but maybe you know there's something else that, that is near my gym and so it just makes it easier because i can kill two birds with one stone um so all these things you know they're very easy to solve it's just about like properly sitting down and being like okay well, let's let's smash these out um and find solutions for them yeah no 100 percent. that's perfect example to be fair very very good um I'm wondering if there's more, by the way. I'm wondering if there's more of these abilities. There probably are. Probably because are. I'm, I'm thinking now. I've re- I was going to. Re- all my to do list was to reread the book on um, when kale and coffee compete, because a lot of that oh, book yeah. is about um, it's about consumer behavior mainly, and you know, consumer purchasing. 
and I think I spoke about this in the last podcast, which is businesses tend to focus a lot on creating the motivation to buy products rather than the, the removing the friction of buying. Mm-hmm. So they, they try and convince yeah. you to buy it rather than removing the, you know, friction. the reasons why you don't buy, for example. And, I, and yeah. I believe he had a similar matrix to what you got there in terms of what we got there with the, the ability factors. And there was more other ones, which yeah. would be interesting. Maybe, um, I won't do it now, but I'll try and look at look it up and see if there's any cross cross pollination there because there was yeah. you know, reasons why people don't do things. I mean, I'm thinking looking at this as well. Harder to plan, but I guess context. But context can yeah. include all of that, right? Because technically, context is that context yeah. is the money you have at that moment. Context is the time you have. Um, so I think also another good point with this ability factors as well is maybe even planning for like failure, or planning for like one of these factors to be yeah. going wrong. So, for yeah. example, if the, with the fitness stuff, like you were saying, don't have enough money, don't have, don't have time. We were listening to the Andy Galpin and Andrew Huberman podcast, and he talks a lot about having like a backup workout you can do when you're on the on the go and you don't have time. Yeah, so just doing yeah. like a hit, etc., stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll look it up later and see what I can find because uh, it'd be interesting to add more more points to that as just like fr- I guess you call them friction factors, things that you know cause people yeah. to not be able to act in a specific way. Um, yeah, I think that'd be yeah. interesting. Actually. Yeah. So yeah, now we've got the usage or, or using anchor habits. So after I brackets anchor, I will bracket new ha- uh, new habit. So after I flush the toilet, I'll do two push ups. This is basically in my head another form of you know habit. Well, it's habit stacking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's but it's, yeah. it's, it's applying a habit to like a standard routine you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So you've got to match the physical location. So first consider the physical location of your new habit. Find a find an anchor, sorry, you already do do in that location. So if the new habit you want is wiping down the kitchen table, look for an existing routine in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a pretty pretty standard one. I guess another thing could be, you know, you're making a coffee, you want to, you know, build a habit of meditating or something. Yeah. You meditate in the kitchen or something like that where yeah, you're already yeah. in that room. Um, and I think that's actually something I, I want. I might implement that into like a, an area of my um, of my yeah. habits because then yeah. I can basically categorize categorize it based on maybe location and then tick all the ones that I already do in the location and then if I obviously ever implement yeah. a new habit then I can be like okay well it's going to be in this location with these ones how can I pair them how can I stack them together um, and make it obviously very specific so like after I do this. I do this. And th- when I say specific in terms of that, it's like literal actions, right? It's not like after I go to the loo, it's like li- literally he says, after I flush the, loo, uh, flush the toilet, I go do two push-ups. He doesn't even yeah. wash his hands. I mean, like... He doesn't want to slip while he's doing his push-ups, mate. That's it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> funny on that point as well is I found myself with my cold showers brushing my teeth in the shower. I don't know if you do this. Yeah, I, I, I brush, never, I brush my teeth I've never been shower. someone who likes to do that for some reason. I've just never. I, I never used to do that, it, but it's my yeah. way of distracting myself from the cold half the time. So I'm uh, there, like, you know, brush it. And if it gets really cold, I'm like, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, sorry, the um, next part of the anchor habits is match the frequency. So, next, as you look at your existing routine, decide how often you want to do your new habit. If you want to do it once a day, then you sequence it after an anchor that happens once a day. Yeah. That kind of makes sense as well. You know, you're not going to yeah. pair a habit with something you're doing three times a week, right? Like if you want to pair something to your gym going and you only go to the gym three times a week, it's not going to work out if you if it's a habit you want to do daily. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And then the very last point is match the theme and purpose. Uh, this element is less vital than the previous two. So the best anchors will have the same theme or purpose as the new habit. So if you view coffee and its stroll to caffeine as a way to be more productive, then it might be good to anchor this uh, habit for launching your to-do app. Mm. Very good point. Makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? You know. Yeah. But like you said, with your, your cold shower, you've you yeah, come exactly. out, you're, you're energized, and you know the next thing you can do is something to do with using your mental energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Motivation. Um. Yeah, so the, the next part is pearl habits. So BJ calls these habits pearl habits because they use prompts that start out as irritants, um, then turn into something beautiful. The whole idea of a pearl being it doesn't, you know, it doesn't it starts very small and then turns to something beautiful. Um, so step one is list at least ten things that often happen to you that irritate you: a long line, a noisy motorcycle, a barking dog next door, etc. Um, step two, select the most frequent and annoying thing on your list. And then step three, explore new beneficial habits you could do after the annoyance and then come up with at least five options. And I actually love this because I, I don't think I'd come across it or I don't think I'd properly taken it in, in other books, but this idea that using irritants to, to prompt good behavior so like someone to motivate i guess in the, some way is like it because it yeah. is quite motivating you have that energy don't you that like i don't even know how to explain it when you're angry it's like oh i'm like there is something behind you which can make you do something yeah and also you can change your relationship with that trigger and that's why i find really interesting because i want uh, yeah. to i would like to become more of a positive person i think everyone does i think i can be very cynical um and you know, when I get like irritated on the tube, when someone's playing their phone out loud, when I'm reading, um, I get really irritated about that. But I can use that to react and to do punch it, him in like, the face. Yeah, just <laughs> fucking, you know. um, but it shines a spotlight on me being angry and then what I should do or what I want to do to solve that. Right. And so then I can start. And this is what I, I remember thinking about this at the time, like perception training. So you change your perception of reality and how you interact with it based on triggers that you normally don't like. Um, and I just thought that was a really interesting concept um, that I'd love to implement at some point, actually. It's, it's one of those ones that's a bit easier said than done. It's trying to oh, notice of course. when you're yeah, irritated, yeah. right? You know? Yeah, yeah. obviously the first in instance is always like anger. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, like, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, part of the anger management training to a degree is you know, <laughs> recognizing when yeah, you're angry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then channeling it in a more productive um, fashion. Exactly, exactly. Um, but um, yeah, that's so yeah, no, just, another tactic that we haven't really, you know, spoke too much about. So that's mm. a good one. Um, so then we've got this next note on the reward prediction error. So when an experience deviates from the path in your brain expre uh, expects brackets, oh my phone didn't break after all. That's when you get a reward prediction error. And neurons in your brain adjust the release of dopamine in order to encode an updated expectation. The de definition of a reward in behavior science is an experience directly tied to a behavior that makes the behavior more likely to happen again. Um, I mean, we've spoke about this, I think, in the previous podcast yeah, yeah. in regards to, you know, how your brain rewards and yeah. why you need what's the necessity of having a reward for, yeah. for habits. Um so actually, this is actually a good point on the last bit because we were talking about this with incentives earlier. So incentives like a sales bonus or monthly massage can motivate you, but they don't rewire your brain because incentives are uh, way too far in the future to give you that all-important mm. shot of dopamine that encodes the new habit. 
Yeah. So really, you know, all these other habit books said the same thing, which is if you're going to reward it, reward the new habit, you need it to be, you know, as soon as possible after yeah. doing it's not the part habit. of the actual yeah. process, uh, behavior. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Oh, funny on this neck, I just remember this next note because i did this for yeah. a while i remember telling yeah, you about yeah, this yeah. every time i used yeah, to yeah. floss my teeth it was like yes so he's a big advocate of like mini celebrations so um whenever you do the habit that you wanted to do he would encourage you to uh, tense shout do anything which is like celebrating having done it yeah so i remember i was telling you i used to, i went for a stage where every time i floss my teeth i'd be like yes like afterwards and it was quite a yeah. bizarre couple of, i mean to be honest the, the irony of all of this i didn't floss my teeth anymore off the back of this i so i was very skeptical at it uh, about it at first and then there was a point um in this where it was like do it in a way that you would do it so find a way that you would celebrate that okay. is normal to you rather than like you know adopting some kind of celebration that everyone does right and so yeah i found myself kind of doing it where like my version was like you know after i'd have a cold shot i'd be like yeah fucking yeah like <laughs> that was mine and it was just like like a psycho every, you know, the yeah, I was like, I'm like, yeah i could fucking do it yeah <laughs> but everyone's probably got their own like i could personally i could never go like yes no i know? can't yeah um, maybe but, that's what it was with the cringe that stopped me but it's but I do get the concept of like finding something that is personal for you to believe in when you're like you know it's like yeah okay I can fucking do that I I fucking do that I'm that person um, and yeah so I, I yeah I thought it was an interesting concept um, yeah. not really talked about to be honest this as a replacement for the reward and the other books but no. I mean to be fair, it did seem to work for a while and to be honest the only reason I've actually the more if, if I look back and think of why I've given up the flossing is actually because it's not in my view anymore i've actually oh, really? they used to be like on the table and i realized half the reason i've i haven't even noticed that i've stopped until i'm talking about it now yeah, yeah, yeah. but what i to be honest if i was actually going to reward myself now i think about it i'd probably just give myself a coffee i try and postpone having my first coffee of the day now for like two hours before i wake up so that's like my reward for like doing well, my that's your morning incentive. routine yeah fine that's my incentive sorry for doing yeah. my morning routine so like doing the cold showers etc i then mm. you know i have that moment where i've like i've ticked off five things already i'm like sweet now i can have my now i can have my coffee and i've i said to myself always that if i don't actually do it i don't get the coffee so if i don't yeah. have my cold shower yeah. i'm not i'm not drinking coffee today um and towards i don't need that motivation to do it but it's always nice to have that as of a course, bonus if course. that makes sense it's, it's an extra you know it's an extra yeah. motivating factor and but i wonder if the reason why he talks about being able to celebrate is it's because it's probably one of the only things that we can actually implement straight after we do an action that will, you know, because we can't normally reward. It's not like you drink a coffee straight after you have your cold shower, right? Because yeah. like we've said, for a reward to bind, it's got to be straight after. Or I mean, the, the cold shower, it doesn't really matter because the cold shower technically is it, rewarding. It is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. But my point being is in, you know, this celebration, I kind of get it because and you could also tie it with your like you know overall goal whatever it is that that habit is part of but like you know let's say i finish a workout i'm not going to get the reward straight away i'm not going to suddenly feel euphoric straight away but i could be like okay yeah i'm one step closer to my goal you know and celebrate that's, that's whatever how you means. should get to the point of feeling right because you should be convinced exactly. that what you're doing is a stepping stone in the right direction and therefore yeah. by proxy it should feel relatively rewarding for taking a step yeah like absolutely yeah 
And you're kind of oh, just I, showing like a conscious spotlight on it straight after I, you do the habit. Yeah. I, I'm starting to wonder as well, because obviously we've read all these habit books and if anybody's listening and they've, you know, started to implement habits themselves, I'm wondering if becoming aware of like the importance of habits for the goal makes you realize each stepping stone is more valuable. So what I mean is most yeah. people probably don't think about how important every day is, but people like us who've obviously read all these books and the people who are listening have now listened to like nine podcasts on this and talked about consistency and, you know, doing it every yeah. day. They understand the importance of every single step and therefore each step is infinitely more rewarding because they know it's like a, the direction is right. You know, they're, exactly. they're taking a step in the right direction. Therefore, every single, every single time they do it, they should feel some level of satisfaction because they're like, I've done it again. Yes. Because that's what you should be rewarding yourself for is the fact you've done it again and not be, you shouldn't be rewarding yourself for hitting, you know, personal best because re- in reality, that's not what got you there. It's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah, everyday it's consistency. Um, exactly. I do think as we've got better with this, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that I, I celebrate every day I do it. Like every day I do it, I'm yeah. like, I've done it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've, yeah, yeah. I've done it again. Like amazing. I've done it. Yeah. Because um, because I also think back and think most people don't do this. And that's also yeah. another bit of more, probably more ego motivation than anything. But it's like, I've done things that most people wouldn't do. And that makes you feel better about yourself as well. Like most people yeah. probably wouldn't do what I've just done today because they, they either don't know which direction they're going. They haven't scheduled in their habits or whatever. But it's quite motivating to be like, yes, you know, I, like you said, I'm that guy. I've done my coach. Yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. 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 No, um, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, and I kind of see the importance of doing that straight after you perform the action because then, or the habit, because you're binding it with what you've just done, right? It's, it, it's within that dopamine time frame where you're going to link what you you know, your celebration, your reward of finishing it to the action you've just done. Um, yeah, so you associate that habit more and more with, okay, I'm getting one step closer, like you just said, to my goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah. So next part is demotivators. So fear is the anticipation of bad outcomes. There are a few ways to weaken or remove the demotivator of fear. One common approach to dampen anxiety in social situations is by drinking alcohol. <laughs> are we are we promoting that here? Um <laughs> Common scenarios at a work party, your colleagues all invite you onto the dance floor. In this situation, you get on the dance floor and pretend to have fun because social pressure, a powerful motivator, which has overwhelmed your fear, the demotivator. One key to designing long-term change is to reduce or remove the demotivators. Um, So are we, yeah, does that refer to basically just drinking alcohol to overcome social anxiety is that right but, yeah, it's basically <laughs> kind of that yeah um it's funny i was just listening to the chris williamson podcast as well about him yeah. having a thousand days off alcohol and he yeah. said one of his biggest changes was actual real like real sorry real confidence is what he called it because he realized he had to be confident in these social in situations social, where yeah. he was uncomfortable because he wasn't drinking and yeah. he became more confident as a as a by proxy but that's that's a side note um this yeah i mean it makes sense this is similar in my head a demotivator is the same as a friction point something yeah, that's course. causing you not to do something specific and therefore yeah it should be thought about you know how to overcome because it, it just yeah it, it, yeah it makes sense no absolutely um, yeah, I get that. So, I quite so like now, that actually. That, that idea what, from Chris Williamson. I want the becoming really like actually. Yeah, confident. it makes sense. Yeah, it, makes sense. it does make sense. Like You're I was not thinking, using a crutch essentially. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, like when I was not drinking and I was at like a place where everybody's dancing and I was dancing and I felt a bit like 
uncomfortable dancing, right? And, I'm, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking to myself, why am I feeling so uncomfortable? Is it because I feel like I'm being judged? But then if you really think about it, nobody there is judging you because everybody else yeah. is just too busy, either drunk or just like probably worrying about themselves maybe. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's kind of weird to think that it is like a, it is, if you think it was well about a lot of human interactions, it's like, let's get so drunk that we can eventually start dancing and having fun together. It's yeah. just like, what, what world do we live in where we all have to just drink to get up and have fun together? Yeah. I think everyone, that's not even like a judgment to these people yeah. because I'm one of them at the moment. Um, but it's crazy it's to think about it. Like if you just describe yeah. what's happening, a bunch of hairless apes get together, ingest some liquid and then start dancing because they're, they're not really capable of having the confidence to do it before. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, but also even, even if you are getting judged, you shouldn't feel, you know, that, that in itself builds confidence by overcoming the judgment of people. Most yeah. people you'll probably never see again. Yeah, and and yeah, right. like you said, you should care like, about. It's like, why should you care what they think? But yeah, yeah, if you, like yeah, you said, you're gonna meet them once. Um, but yeah, so the next on to the guidelines of redesigning your environment. When you design your new habits, invest time in des- uh, redesigning your environment so they're easier to do. And as you continue doing a new habit, make the environmental adjustments as you go along. So similar to the mindset of you know making mistakes and improving as you go. Um, a bit like my floss. I'm, the first thing I'm going to do after this is going to put it back out at the front again. Yeah, um, good. So, uh, Mark here, he's got his question tradition. Who says you have to keep your vitamins in the kitchen or floss in the bathroom? Okay, that's a good point. Why is my floss in the bathroom? Um, maybe your vitamins need to be next to your computer. That's an interesting point. I could put my floss by my desk. If I probably find myself, you know, when you you know get that urge to like pick up your phone, let's just say you've got another room. Next thing you know, I'll yep. be addicted to flossing. <laughs> it may be um, maybe yeah and then uh the next part of the redesigning is uh invest in the gear you need so suppose you want to bike seven miles to school even when it's raining and cold design out these demotivators by buying what you need to make biking in the rain cold and less painful so yeah. by buying waterproofs etc i mean that's a pretty exactly. smart one as well it's like preparing for the worst situation or preparing for situations where you're not going to feel like it and then how are you going to overcome that yeah precisely yeah, I think that's good. And also, it's like, you know, by spending money on something, you're also holding yourself a bit accountable. Um, you're more likely yeah, to... Yeah, no, no, that's also about number point. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so next part is next actions to create identity change. So finish the sentence. I'm the kind of person who would... The, who... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who... Blah, blah. With the identity or I, oh my goodness, am I just being fucking stupid here? Or identities you'd like to embrace? With the identity or identities you'd like to embrace? Yeah. Now, I think it's the hyphens, mate. They put you off. Yeah, they did a bit. Um, So go to events that gather people, products, and services related to your emerging identity. Learn the lingo, know who the experts are, watch movies related to the areas of change you're interested in, update your social media page, put a new profile picture up that conveys your emerging identity, teach others or be a role model to galvanize your new identity. A social role is powerful. And I think all of these are really interesting points. I think I really like the whole learn the lingo because essentially you're just getting, you're, you're finding more associations to do with that habit yeah. you know, and with that kind of identity. And so, you know, the more time you spend in that, the more you're going to adapt. We're adaptable creatures at the end of the day. And so all of these kind of things help reinforce that identity that you're trying to acquire. 
you know yeah. um, the learn the lingo bit interests me as well because obviously with our fitness recently we'd be learning the lingo for all the sort of like you know the different types of hypertrophy the different yeah, i mean even yeah. the word hypertrophy most people just call it like gains or yeah. like muscle gain you know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, do you know what i mean yeah. it's the fact that i'm even yeah. saying that shows that i've done my bit of bit of uh research so to speak but it's funny because yeah. i now i now identify with it more just by the process of knowing this language if that makes yeah. sense i feel more connected to that sort of space let's just call it the, the, the fitness and health space just yeah. through you know i guess reading just through researching it it's just been a bit it's funny how you you know you you, you pick up the identity just through what you absorb through yeah. through uh through books etc um, absolutely crazy yeah so the very last point we got here is so supporting others in the change process when support so uh yeah, so when supporting other people in, in the change process, let two maxims be your guide. One, help people do what they already want to do, and two, help people feel successful. It's a very good point, to be fair. Um, in terms mm. of, I think number two is the more interesting to me because obviously some people want to do unsavory things. Uh, so yeah, yeah. focusing on, you know, help people feel successful is a big part. Like, you know, if, if you know somebody's been going to the gym you know a comment like you're looking good or you know anything like that is going to help them motivate them to continue on their journey you know it's these small comments of of people realizing they've changed is actually going to motivate them more because they're like actually not only am i realizing within myself that i've made these changes but now external people are coming in and telling me you know great job great job of what you're doing keep it up you know it makes such a big difference. And I was actually listening to a podcast with Andrew Huberman, um, Jordan Peterson, and they were talking about this and the importance of, you know, how, like, first of all, you know, we're so sensitive to other people's opinions, you know, yeah. our reputation is everything. And when we see, yes, okay, we can infer that like, okay, we're doing an action and we're, in, we're intending to do that action. We want to get better at doing that. But also our reality is also confirming that and reinforcing that. That's huge. You know, when people around you, especially if you care about them, reinforce that, then it reinforces their kind of um, uh, their goal reward system. And their dopamine is like, fuck me, okay, I'm doing the right thing here. Um, And, yeah, so it's so so important. Like even just slight little things. And, and. I'm just I'm just chucking because I'm thinking of that Instagram thing you sent yesterday with that guy who's like nice ass bro and he's like yeah you're looking thick dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly there we go prime example um it's just yeah fuck oh. but yeah no it, it is really important and also you kind of like you can kind of <laughs> it, it sounds manipulative but in a way you can try and get people to do things by commenting on the behavior the good behaviors and kind of ignoring the bad behaviors right yeah. so it's like whenever they do something when it, i can't remember what book it was in but it's like you know if you want them to load the dishwasher and they never really get around to doing it and when they do it's like oh that was really helpful thanks, thanks it's, yeah it's funny you say that like if you get like let's just say you did a job or like a, something around like your flat or for a friend and they go like oh i'm really grateful for you doing that or like you did a really good job you're 10x more likely to you know yeah. repeat it and then if they criticize be like oh by the way you did this or you forgot yeah. to do this it's just like exactly <laughs> it's just like yeah. what um yeah, yeah. um cool so yeah, i think that so was there, there we go that was everything should we go back through like we usually do and pick you know let's pick the stuff which this book in particular has that the other habit books don't have as this sort of actionable yeah. actionable steps so let's go back to the beginning yeah. if you want to start um so yeah i think probably the biggest thing is this bmap model um which is very 
it's used a lot and very popular. Um, so yeah, it's because of simplicity, idea. right? Like it's you know exactly. It's really simple to understand, and there are two you know main like variables, and that's motivation and ability, and then obviously your prompts um, determine a lot of that. And that basically, essentially, you know, equals equates to the behavior that you want. Um, so higher motivation um, and uh, can help you overcome that like action threshold and higher ease of ability can help you overcome that threshold. And you want prompts, you know, that are appropriate for the behavior that you want to change. Or relevant. Yeah. 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 And so for me, one of the, one of the biggest takeaways here is this idea of, uh, separating aspirations um and creating outcomes or steps mm -hmm. yeah. um you know having broad goals such as you know i want to be fitter i want to be healthier i want to be richer all these things which you know you know are, are great aspirations to have but lack concreteness and i and i i guess they give you a direction but they don't give you like the stepping stones you know it's like you could be yeah. just you could be going there in a way quicker way by basically being more specific with what with the things you need to do to get to this result. So yeah, turning your aspirations, like get, get fitter into something which is more measurable and specific. So like, you know, detailing the behaviors first. So going to the gym four times a week, eating healthy, sleeping mm -hmm. more, that type of thing is a yeah. much better way of approaching your aspirations. You know, what are, what are aspirations about smart, measurable, achievable, realistic time-bound goals you know it's it's hard exactly. to get there unless there is a target or like at least a a target you can see let's put it that yeah. way because you know fitness you can't really see that but you can see five days a five days a week working out you know seven hours sleep a night you can see that but you can't see yeah the, the sort of vague aspiration yeah, yeah. of be fit, uh, be fitter and healthier and i think we all fall for these lofty vague aspirations all the time because you know this is the stuff everybody wants but they, the difference between the people who get there and the people who don't in my head at least is this next level step of taking the time to decide what you need to do to actually achieve these things yeah um, absolutely having that, that specificity and yeah and giving clarity you know to that goal being specific yeah. about what it is that you want um and like you said, like taking the time, I think that's really important. We're always in a rush. It's like, okay, I want to do this habit now. I want to try and implement it. But actually, if you just take a bit of time and just plan it and try and think about it, like, you know, from a broad perspective, then yeah, I think you'll be able to smash that out. Um, I'd say I, I also look two points. So I quite like this little question. Can I get myself to do it? It really utilizes and makes you. Um, there's like two variables of the B map, so ability and motivation. It's like, can I physically do it, and am I motivated to do it? Um, so just asking yourself, you know, can I get myself to do this? Really, kind of um, uh, helps you approach uh, performing a certain habit. And then I thought the ability factors, so the factors that can get in the way of performing an action. Um, so what do we call them? I liked what you said, friction factors. So time, money, physical energy, um, and routine. And basically, you know, the whole idea that, <clears throat> you know, if something's, if we're not succeeding in a habit or, you know, there's a lot of friction to it, well, let's try and identify what type of friction that is. And can we change it? Can we find a solution for it? Yeah. I think that, that, that was really good. 
just following on from what you just said there, so the, the question right above it in regards to designing for consistency, the what is making this beha- uh, behavior sorry hard to do is a very practical and valid question to ask yourself if you're struggling mm-hmm. to maintain a consistency to a habit. So, you know, why why am I struggling to floss my teeth every day? Okay, maybe it's because it's in a cupboard with a door shut so I didn't see it. Um, and then at least if you if you thought that is the first problem, you solve that problem, and then you realize you're not doing it again, you've taken a step in the right direction to finally solving the problem of doing it every day, right? So it might even end up, like we were just saying a minute ago, which I liked, is the idea of who said we should keep our flosses in the bathroom. <laughs> put, it on your, put it on your desk. And to yeah. be fair, it's, it's a very valid point because we sometimes constrain our problem solving by the associations with the words. So like when somebody says, you know, where do you take your vitamins as well? Like yeah. well, I have them in the kitchen but you don't have to have them in the kitchen just because most people do. And we actually fail sometimes to actually realize that we've constrained its position in our like houses just because yeah. everybody else has put it there. A bit like yeah. the floss, but like, I mean, honestly, not thinking makes, outside the box. Yeah. It makes more sense, obviously to have your toothbrush and toothpaste by the sink, but you technically could have it by your bedside to remind yourself every night before you get to bed. Cause you basically, what you could do is every day when you go to bed, you have to put it back by the sink. Right. So every day you go, Oh God, it's, it's on my desk next to my bed. I better brush Absolutely. my teeth and then put it back yeah. in the, in the other room it's that type of changes where it's like creative problem solving that most people probably aren't even contemplating to be honest that was a point i completely forgotten about because when we've spoken a lot about these habits we have constrained most of our time to like doing this in this area because it makes logical yeah. sense but sometimes it can make more logical sense to do it in an area which is not where you normally do it but at least yeah. then it stands out <laughs> exactly and it needs to be logical to you right like if it's yeah. if it makes it easier for you then it's logically right right like it doesn't need to be you know logically right for the average person um it may be easier for some people to have their toothbrush right by the sink because maybe they you know whatever but for some others it might be better you know when they're on the bedside table like you just said so yeah i think that's I think that's a really good point um i quite like this other bit the pearl habits the idea of taking something negative like a negative trigger or negative stimuli and using that to kind of shine a spotlight or have conscious awareness of your reaction and then try to like implement a kind of habit um afterwards uh i thought that was that was quite cool i really like that yeah no i do like that that was a uh, pretty unique to this book i've never we never mm. really came across that in any of the other habit books yeah. um and then like, the one of the last points we talked about a minute ago was the sort of creating this new identity and specifically, because we've talked a lot about the identity changes in the in the previous habit books, but this one about like learning the lingo, just from personal experience, I think diving into like a specific subject matter, let's just say if it was fitness or behavior change like we're doing at the moment, you learn mm-hmm. the lingo and you start to identify more with that specific area. I mean, like if you study business studies, let's just say you learn the business terminology and you suddenly start seeing yourself as a businessman, because why wouldn't you? Because you've learned the terminology of business, if that makes sense. So by learning the words associated with a specific area or of human interest, you're going to end up identifying with that, with that area. And that's going to help you keep your habits. Absolutely. And I, I think actually we did touch on this a while ago, but more in terms of like, you know, if you're going to start a habit, why not try and understand the fundamentals first? Because then that will give you a better understanding of like which direction you should go. And like, okay, yes, you can adopt a habit and you can try and work it out for yourself and have a kind of feedback mechanism in place so that you can kind of learn from your mistakes. But also, you know, there have been a lot of people that have got like, you know, paid the same, the same path. Um, mm. And, you know, you can learn from their knowledge. 
um, obviously you have it, you know, it's never going to be exactly what you're aiming for. And so you have to find the discrepancies and what's best for you and what, you know, they're saying, but there are some fundamentals. There are some principles that underlie a lot of the habits that we're looking at. And if you can understand them, then it can be more motivating because it's like, okay, I know I'm going in the right direction here. Um, yeah. Oh, and also you can start looking for measures of progress or measures to show that you've, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you can look for, or you have more of an idea of where the, yeah, the, the gauges of progress are. So as you're doing these habits, you're like, oh, wow, I'm doing this now that I wouldn't have done ages ago. Therefore, this is a good gauge that I'm in the right direction. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Um, See, I, th- I think that's everything that I had at least. But Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, I did really like it. I thought it was very actionable. Um, it's very it's, it's definitely one of the better. Simple. Definitely one of the better ones. In terms of somebody who's less interested in the science behind habits and more mm-hmm. interested in the practical steps you can take to pick up good habits this is up there with atomic probably not as good in my opinion but it's definitely it's up there um yeah yeah no i agree um so yeah if you want to um know all the kind of actual ideas you can head on over to the um website and they're going to be on the book summary um next week like we said we'll be doing hooked and then the week after that we'll be starting exercise and fitness so no more habits um But yeah, the, the whole so point was there was like a logical extension because we were trying to do obviously helping people pick up good habits and then moving straight into sort of fitness followed by nutrition, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, rest recovery. So basically we're giving you the, the sort of groundwork for how you're going to start developing consistency and, you know, sticking to habits. And then we're going to give you the habits that you should be adding potentially yeah. um, to your day to day. That's the plan exactly. at least as we do exactly. it ourselves. Cause that's what we're yeah. doing at the moment. So, um, we're the yes. guinea pigs. Yeah. Precisely. Okay. Well, cool. yeah, well then that's a, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Hey guys, well, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed that book summary. Now we know it can be a lot to take in all at once. So if you want to be able to read this in a more palatable size, or you want to be able to implement any of those key actionable ideas that we were talking about in this episode, head on over to our website at wisewords.blog where the book summary will be waiting for you. Also, don't forget to check out our socials as we consistently upload the key ideas, benefits and actionable ideas from all the books that we read. The links to those will be in the description below. Now, we want to be able to get you the best content in a way that's really easy to understand, but we need your help. Your opinion matters. So you are our feedback mechanism. And with those quick actions, whether that's leaving us a like or a dislike, commenting in the comment section below or subscribing to our channel, all of those help us gauge what we're doing well and how to improve on our method of delivery. So if you have any thoughts on the matter, don't hesitate to act. It takes less than 10 seconds and it really helps us out. But with all that being said, Until next time, stay wise.